first, I want you to think about this. Think about what's been getting between you and God. The thing that you need to put away that, that, that you want, the, your, your desires, or your selfish needs, but, but the thing that's getting between you and God, this means I surrender, Lord. Maybe you can get down on your knees on the floor. Maybe you can come and lay over the altar. But whatever it is that's been between you and God, put it down and leave it here today. Don't pick it back up and take it back out with you. Leave it here today. He wants to deliver you of that thing, whatever that may be. Can we sing that again one more time, ladies? And we can come here and just praise him together. And we can, we can bask in his presence. I know you sense his presence here today. God is awesome. He's amazing. Such a sweet. Go ahead and praise him, can we? Hallelujah. My God is so amazing. He's so awesome. He's powerful. He's wonderful. He's got unlimited power, and he still wants to be here with us. Still wants to have a relationship. All of our kids can be released to go to their classes. I want to talk to you this morning about defending your mind. Defending your mind. It's critical that we as Christians learn how to defend our mind. If we, if we don't defend our mind, we got nothing going on. How many know that? We'll, we'll be back into the things of the world and the things of our own desires before you know it. So I want to start off with some scriptures today. And these are all very familiar scriptures. You've heard all these scriptures before probably a hundred times, but don't think you can exhaust the word of God. If you're hearing something new from a preacher, he's not preaching out of the book. There's only so much, the book is thick, but there's only so much stuff in it. So we got to preach them over and over and over. And let me tell you this, if we had got it already, if we'd arrived, we'd look different. So we need to hear it again. So even if you've heard it before, you need it again, right? Open up your books today. Here's a list of scriptures. Take a picture of it. You can go and feed on these the rest of the week. But, but God wants to give us something new out of this today. Maybe you'll just grab one new little nugget today, yeah. and, and it'll change your life, right? So 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6 says, For the weapons of our, our warfare are not carnal. They're not guns. They're not tanks. They're not bombs, right? It's our faith and it's our words, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through, the, through God. It's because of him. It's because of his power, right? Because we can tap into his power when we're saved and we're, brought, we're going to talk about a little bit what Jesus paid for. We talked about what Jesus paid for last week, but we can tap into that power, God's power, the same power that he used when he, raised, when he rose Jesus from the dead, right? So these weapons coming out of my mouth, joined with my faith, are mighty. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. This word strongholds is a picture of like a, a, a kingdom or a castle. And, and he's talking about our mind. We're going to hear in the next verse. He's talking about our mind. Our mind is like a fortress or a castle. And we've allowed the enemy to invade our mind so long. We think wrong, thought so often. We've done it for years and years and, and decades. And for a lifetime, we've thought wrong thoughts when God wants to give us the right thoughts. Right? He wants our thoughts. He wants us to defend this castle through the renewing of our mind. Right? We have to defend our minds today then by agreeing with God's word. We're going to look at this today a little bit more. So five says casting down imaginations, right? We have imaginations. We think about that. Well, this is going to be this way or, or, or if it's lust or if it's an addiction or whatever it could be, right? Everybody has imaginations. God gave us an imagination to imagine what his word would look like if it would come to fruition in our life. If we would agree with it with our mouth, if we, if we would know it in our heads, Believe it in our hearts and agree with it with our mouth. It'll come to fruition in our life, right? God gave us an imagination so I can say, hey, I'm healed. Imagine what it looks like if I'm totally healed. Imagine what it looks like if I'm totally blessed. Healing doesn't just mean in your body. It means in your mind too, right? In our relationship. What if my relationship with my wife and my children was just perfect? 
He gives us an imagination to see that, right? What if my body was healed? What if my mind was healed? He gives us its imagination, right? Casting down imagination. So these aren't imaginations from God. These are imaginations that come from the enemy, right? We're supposed to cast those imaginations down before they get over into this fortress of our mind, right? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's the enemy do? He comes, we talked about it in Sunday school class this morning, right? He comes and tries to emulate God. He tries to look like God. He wants to be like God. He got kicked out of heaven for wanting to be like God, for, for trying to take that, that place, right? For trying to be equals, for challenging God. He got kicked out, right? So those thoughts that come against us, he, he did the same thing with Adam and Eve. He used the same thing that got him kicked out of heaven. He came and brought this against them, right? One of them, well, God doesn't want you to be like him. If you eat this fruit, you're going to be just like God is. So he tempted them with the very thing that got him kicked out. Right? He's a, he's a copycat. So these strongholds that try to rise themselves up against the knowledge of God, correct? So what tries to rise itself against the knowledge of God? Anything that goes against the word. Anything the word doesn't say that I am or I have, then it's something else that's trying to rise itself above the knowledge of God, right? I got to have a knowledge of God, but it has to get to my heart. I got to read the book. I got to study the book. I got to get in the church. I got to hear the preached word. If I don't have a knowledge, I can never get it into my heart. It's not just going to magically drop. It's, it's not going to airdrop itself into there. It's not going to be some magic email that goes into my heart or something. I got to get it in my head. It's got to go through my ears and through my eyes, right? Into my heart to get, to get that true belief, right? So anything that comes against that, I'm supposed to cast it down, right? I'm supposed to protect my mind. I'm supposed to defend my mind. Isn't that what this verse is saying? I got to defend my mind. Casting down imagination. Oh, that's, I already read that part. To the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The obedience of Christ, right? And 6 says, and having in readiness to revenge. I want to give you a definition this morning. This word revenge in the Greek means to protect, to defend one person from another, right? So I'm defending my mind from the attacks of the enemy that come against me. He's trying to come and put thoughts and, and temptations and different things in my mind. He throws them at my mind and throws them at my mind. And that's what he's talking about, the fiery darts in one place. He's throwing them little, little ideas, little thoughts over and over and over and over. But I got to defend my mind. If I don't defend my mind, sooner or later, something's going to stick. Amen. And I got to defend my mind every time. I'm going to prove this to you in the word of God here shortly. So to protect, to defend one person from another, to avenge a thing, to punish a person for a thing. So I'm supposed to punish these thoughts, right? I'm supposed to cast these thoughts down, not just let them hang around, not just continue to think about them, not allow my mind to wonder when things come against me, but I got to punish these thoughts by throwing them to the ground, right? And having a readiness, he says, through the obedience of Christ, right? Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge. Now we know what that word means. All disobedience, all disobedience, we're supposed to revenge. When your obedience is fulfilled, this word obedience means obedience, compliance, or submission, right? And obedience shown in, in observing the, requirements, the requirements of Christianity. We got to be obedient. These things, we, we want to talk about healings. We want to talk about being blessed. We, we got to be obedient. They're, they're, the ball's in our court, right? The, everything that God said is true. Yeah. It's the truth. If it's in God's word, it is the truth. Yeah. Nothing rises above the truth, Amen. But we've got to live obedient lives also. We can't live in all the junk and do whatever we want to do and talk bad and treat other people bad. And You know the things that the, that the Bible says we, can, we got to do and we can't do? You know what it says? It says, for him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. 
It may not even be written in the word, but if God says I can't do it, then I can't do it. <coughs> right? So I have to be living in obedience. I have to be living in, in, in compliance with God's statutes, with God's standards. Amen? If I'm not living in compliance with his statutes and standards, we may as well not talk anymore about this because it's not going to happen. We're not going to be healed. We're not, we're not going to be blessed. We're not going to have those good relationships with our family. We're, those things aren't going to work in our lives because there's a part that we have to play. There's a role we've got we to live according to his standards. We've got to live in submission to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, <coughs> excuse me, I'm feeling a lot better, but i still got some junk that's got to come out. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, and then when I get a little excited, I talk more, and then, you know. <coughs> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Isn't this talking about living in submission? This is your reasonable sacrifice, because Jesus went, he paid the price for everything. It's already paid for. These things belong to you. I heard one preacher say, it's not, I was born a man. I don't have to worry about how to become a man. Right? I just got to be a man. I might have to learn some things about being a man. Amen? I don't have to contend to be a man. And ladies, you don't have to be contend to be a, a lady. You, you do have to learn what is ladylike and what's appropriate for, for a lady. And I, just like I have to learn what's appropriate for a man. Amen? Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're living with our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is our holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Holy again, right? we got to be in subjection. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If we're not renewing our minds, what's he saying? We're not going to know what the will of God is. How are we going to walk in it and live in it if you don't understand it? If you're not renewing your mind, if you're not defending your mind, right? So could I say this then, that one thought could take us out of God's will? It's true. Adam and Eve. First example in the Bible. One thought, one thought could take us out of God's will or could take us out of God's plan for our life. So if that thought, if, allowed, if it's unchecked and we don't defend our mind, if it takes us out of God's will or God's plan for our life, then it could change my whole life. Could change my whole way. What's more important than defending your life this morning then? If just one thought could change my whole way of life, the whole plan for my life, right? It might even make sense, the thought I'm talking about. It might be, it might be logical. When I think about it, I can look at my bank account this morning and say it's got X amount. Of this, this number says this about my bank account. So it wouldn't make sense that I could go buy a new Learjet, right? But if God's word says I'm blessed and he told me, then it's on its way, Right? We walk by, I got that here in just a minute, right? So the, the thought, that may not have been a good, good example, but it, when you talk about money, people can tend to see money, right? It, the thought may be logical. If they tell you you have cancer, you're going to think that you're going to continue to progress, even though God's word says by his stripes, you're healed, right? There's a difference in the truth and a fact. Facts change. Facts change. The truth is forever. Right? It never becomes obsolete. God's word is the truth. Genesis 2 and 15 says, we're going to talk about Adam and Eve just a little bit. You all know the story, right? And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden <coughs> to dress it and to keep it. I want to give you the definition for this word keep here this morning. In the Bible dictionary, it says to hedge about, and it says in parentheses, as with horns. This made me think about a bull. 
You ever seen a big old bull out in the field and he's just got muscles bulging all over him and he's got these horns sticking up off of him? And just because they got horns don't mean they're a bull, honey. <laughs> but you think about that bull, though. He's got horns. That bull's aggressive. If he's out there defending his territory, you don't want to hop in there with him. Right. Amen. He'll run you over. He'll stomp you in the ground when he gets there. So he says, he sent there Adam to keep this garden, to hedge about it, as with horns. It says, to guard, generally to protect or attend to. He was supposed to protect this place. He was the guard over this place. He had authority. He had power. All the power of heaven backed him up. Amen. And he was there to protect this place. Didn't say Eve was there to protect this place. Said Adam was. We all want to blame it on Eve, but the man didn't do his part. He sat there and didn't say nothing. At least Eve defended her mind the first time. Adam didn't say a word. He stood there, right? And verse 16 and 17 goes on to say, it says, you know, God told him to eat freely of the garden, any fruit in the garden you want to, but you shall not eat of the tree of life, right? The, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, rather, the Bible says. So by the time we get down to Genesis 3, 1, it says, now the serpent was more subtle in the King James. This means sly, some translations say. So he didn't show up as the devil, and say, hey, I'm the devil. I'm here to, to hit you with a bunch of bad thoughts, and I'm going to get in your mind, and I'm going to get in your head, and I'm going to get you to talk wrong about yourself. Right. If he had said that, they'd have recognized him right away. He's right. subtle. Yeah. He's subtle. He comes at us in small ways. Yeah. He wants to, if, if this is the mark, and this is the way, this is the straight and narrow right here, he wants to move me off just a little at a time. Yeah. Just a little piece at a time. Yeah. You ever drive your car down the road, and if you don't turn that wheel, it might take it a while. It'll go straight. If you've got a good alignment and good tires and everything, it'll go straight for a while, but sooner or later it'll start to ride over. And if you don't correct that thing, before long you're in the ditch. Yeah. It's just small increments. He's sly, right? Yeah. He's more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. He was the slickest one that God made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said that ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? He turned it like they were stupid. God's holding out on you today. He doesn't want you to be like him. Like I said earlier, he, he, his original sin, he tricked them into it. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to have the fullness of he is. He doesn't want you to, if, if you eat this fruit, you'll be just like him. You'll be equal to God. He made it like they were the stupid ones, like they, like they were the ones missing out. He's still doing the same things. If, if you're not following after the world, you're the one missing out today. Still the same trick, still the same deceit, right? And she said, yeah, God said that. She answered him with the word, you notice? She answered him with the word, then he kept on, and he kept on, just like he does, throwing those little thoughts at your mind. A little bit at a time. If he gets you to move off the mark, a little at a time, a little at a time, right? And then the second time he came back, said she took a second look. After she took another look, she realized that it looked good. It looked good to eat, and it, was, it, it, it tasted good, so she ate it, and then she gave to the man, and, and the fall of man happened. Right? <clears throat> One thought can take us out of God's will, out of his plan. God had a plan for them, right? Changed their life forever, right? You can't reason with it. You can't reason with him. You can't reason with the enemy. You'll lose. If you let him keep you in the mental arena, we lose. We've got to get him in the spiritual arena, right? Every thought that comes has to be addressed. Eve answered one time, and then she started thinking about it. Then she allowed him to come on. She, she defended her mind at first. Adam didn't do a thing. He just stood there. He was the keeper of the garden. He was the one with the horns. He, he was the big bull of the place. Right? Men are supposed to be the head today. Same thing. Same thing. What are we allowing to go on in our house, men? 
think about it. What are you allowing to play on your TV? Come across the television set. Where are you allowing your children to go? What kind of games are they playing? What are we allowing in our house? We've got to set the standard. They've got to come up to God's standard, not us go down to their standard. Right? I understand we love them. I love my wife. I love my kids too. But we've got to rise up to the standard of God. And if we don't make it today, we strive again tomorrow. Amen? We repent. We get up again. Thoughts have to be met with God's word. Every single time you have a thought that goes against, if it rises itself against the word of God, against the knowledge of God, it has to be addressed with God's word, right? If we don't address a thought with God's word, you know what's going to happen next? We're going to answer it with our words. And my words aren't nearly as sharp as his words are, right? And when I answer with my words, I'm releasing my authority against myself and agreeing with what the enemy has said about me, right? And the only other thing that we could do is not say anything at all. We don't do that. Let's be real. We always got something to say. We always got to say something. When's the last time you didn't say anything? Right? And even if you didn't say anything, if, if you accomplished that miracle, even if you didn't say anything, you're still allowing the thought to attack your mind. The thought is working on your mind. It's working on your mind. It's wor- if you're not saying nothing, he's working on your mind. Eve didn't say anything, and he continued to work on her mind and work on her mind. He kept throwing that thought out there. Boy, God's holding back from you. It's so much better on the other side. Right? With a lie, he twisted it. Even if you say nothing, it still attacks your mind. It still wears on your mind, right? Victory is not automatic then. Jesus paid for victory. Jesus paid for healing. Jesus paid for salvation. But it's not automatic. You don't get it just because you were born. You're not born into that. When you're born again, you're born into it. But it's not automatic. You've got to walk in these things. You've got to live in righteousness. Amen? We've got to learn to say the right things even when we see the wrong things. We've got to learn to agree with God's word all the time. We've got to learn to defend our minds. We have to defend our minds. Victory's not automatic then. We have to walk it out every single day. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Doesn't matter what the situation looks like. <coughs> Doesn't matter what this body looks like. Doesn't matter what's in my mind. I got to walk by faith. I got to continue to confess God's word, continue to speak God's word over my life, right? <coughs> the enemy wants us to be so in awe of the attack that we don't answer. He wants us to think it's so bad or it looks so good. You're so in awe of the attack, so for the idea that we don't even answer or we begin to answer with our words, right? Matthew 4, let's talk about Jesus, the perfect example. He's our example. Jesus was tempted after 40 days of fasting. Doesn't the devil hit you when you're weak usually? He'll get you when you're down. He likes to, he likes to kick you when you're down. Jesus was tempted after 40 days of fasting. The first time the devil came and, and opposed him to tempt him, he said, if you're really the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? That was his greatest weakness at the time, I can imagine. Can you imagine not eating for 40 days? And you know that he has the power to say, stones be bread, get in my belly. He could do that, just like that. But he said, he answered and said, it is written. He answered with God's word, not his word, right? Because he was in a time of weakness. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. This, this, this part right here caught me this time. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Think about that. The words that are coming out of God's mouth should be coming out of my mouth. That's how I defend my mind, by by speaking his words over the situation. 
He wanted to eat those stones bad. He, wanted, he could have turned them into, I imagine, a big dinner roll with a lot of extra butter on it. He was Jesus Christ. You all like fresh bread, right? That hits you where it hurts at. But he said, no. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that's what we got to live by. And then he came against him again, took him up to the pinnacle of the holy city and said, it is written, let the angels take charge over you. The devil took God's word then. Jesus used God's word, so the devil twisted it just a little bit. Remember when Darren did that thing and said, said which one of these are, are, are the word of God and which ones aren't? And there were things, some things were really close, and a lot of even older Christians were tricked up by it. We got to get the word of God. We got to have the knowledge of God, right? Goes along with it getting into our heart and, and, and believe in the, the word of God. Then we have to speak the word of God, right? So he, the devil tried to twist the word against, against Jesus. And verse 7 said, oh no, you shall not tempt the Lord of God. Jesus used the written word again against the, the enemy to defend his mind, right? And then he says, he says, look at this, I got the whole world, the enemy says, Satan says to Jesus. I got the whole world, it's all mine, and if you just fall down and worship me, I'll give it to you. You'll have power over all of it. It'll all belong to you, right? And he says, away from me, Satan. You shall, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall I serve. And then you know what happened next? Notice that Jesus answered the enemy first. You notice that he answered him every single time. There wasn't a thought that came along. There was never a thought that said, Jesus said, well, I already know that's not right, so I don't have to say anything. I don't have to answer him. Because I already know what the word of God says, and he's wrong and he's a liar. He didn't do that. He answered him. He opened up his mouth, and he answered him with what? With the word of God. He answered him with God's word. He answered him with the truth every single time, right? <clears throat> if he didn't answer him with the truth every single time, it would work on his mind, right? He answered with God's word. Matthew 4.11 says, Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Notice when Jesus answered what the enemy did. He left. So when we have a bad thought come, we can say, I cast that thought down in the name of Jesus, and no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I'm not impressed, Mr. Devil. No weapon, because it takes our mind off of the thought and onto the truth. Off of the thought what the lie is and onto the truth. You have to counter that, and then you have to answer it with the word of God, right? Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. If we give him a place, he's got a place in our mind. If he has a place in our mind, he's got a place in our life. He's got a hold of our life. We've got to defend our mind. If we don't give him a place, then he don't have a place, right? To defend our mind, we have to just make a decision and say, I'm not going to live like that. We've talked about blessing. We've talked about financial blessings, uh, spiritual blessings. We've talked about... Uh, healings, we've talked about all these things, but what about offense? Offense, being offended, being offended. We've got to decide that I'm not going to get offended, especially in my church where I go to get my help because the devil would love to throw that thought at your mind. Those people up there, they're talking about you because you ain't been there. They don't even like you anyway. They don't want you down there, right? You're not good enough to go over there. You're not like them. You're look, look what you did before, and he wants to turn us away by throwing those little thoughts little thoughts. We have to just decide, I'm not going to get offended. You can't offend me because no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And I was set in this body as it pleases God, not you, Satan. Now you get away from me. Release the truth. I'm answering with the word of God, right? I'm not going to get offended. As we grow in this church and we're going to grow spiritually and God's going to bless us and we're going to grow numerically so that we can add souls to the kingdom. 
And as we grow and there's more of us in this body, you're going to have a chance to get offended. The devil's going to give you opportunity. It's going to be there, but it's the bait of Satan. It's bait to draw you away from where you get your help, to draw you away from those words, right? God's word is the answer to every situation. Anything that comes along, any thoughts you might have, any problem you might have, God's word is the answer to every situation. 1 Peter 2, 24. You all know this scripture too. Who himself bore our sins, Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree. We know that. We know that. You know that if you come to God and you ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus, because no man comes to the Father except through the Son, right? You come and you ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus, then that blood of Christ takes those sin and casts them as far as the east is from the west, it says that God does. Never charged you get. We know that. When you were saved, when you said that prayer to be saved, when you ask God to forgive your sins and you ask him to become his son or his daughter, you know that you're saved, right? No one has to convince you of that. You don't have to look for it and see if it belongs to you. Just like I was born as a man. I know I'm a man. I don't have to look and see if I'm a man. I don't have to, I don't have to wonder if I can be a man. I was born as a man. Some of you were born as women, and, and, and it's the same thing. You don't have to wonder if you can be a woman because you're already a woman. I don't have to wonder if I'm saved because I know that I'm saved. Right? I want you to get that part right there. Now let's read the next sentence. <coughs> that we, having died to sins, because he's made, we're made righteous through his blood, right, might live for righteousness. That's good. We've got to live just like I talked about earlier, we got to live it if we want it to work. Yeah. By whose stripes you were healed. Yeah. Same sentence. Yeah. So why do we wonder if we can be healed? Why do we wonder if it's God's plan? Or if it's God's will? Right. It's ours. It belong- in the same rights that he gave us that we're saved in, he says that we're healed, right? Yeah. We must defend our mind with God's word. Yeah. we got to defend our minds with God's word, right? He's, we have to be working on our mind every day. We've got to be an example for our children, for those around us, right? Don't just tell people to go to church or your kids to go to church. Be the church. I've got to be the church. I can't be the church if my mind's somewhere else, right? Be the church. Set a standard. Men, ladies, you can set a standard even. Not, not that I'm talking down to the ladies, but men are the head of the house, but, but if the man won't step up, the ladies can set a standard for yourself, right? Amen. It carries more weight if the man does it, but, but set a standard. Yeah. Require your family, your children to live up to that standard. Yeah. This is God's standard right here. Yeah. We're going to live up to the, one place in the Bible says, for me in my house, we will serve the Lord, yeah. right? Set a standard. Don't go down to their standards. Don't allow them to wear the wrong clothes, right? We're going to be modest around here. We're going to live according to what God says. Amen? If you have certain parts, you're a boy. If you've got certain parts, you're a girl. That's it. This is our standard. There's no question in the standard. It's the truth, right? Don't just tell them to go to church. Be the church. Set the standard and work on coming up to the standard every day. This doesn't happen overnight. If you fall down, get back up. If you get knocked down, get back up. Work on it again. None of us are perfect. The Bible says we're being perfected. You're you're, you're not made perfect until you come out of this body. This this flesh body doesn't allow us to be perfect. But we can strive for excellence. Right? As doing it unto the Lord. The standard is excellence. I heard Josh Pennington say that last week, and it was awesome. I, I got a revelation from it. The standard is excellence. 
we need to set our, our standards as the church as excellence, right? And I would, I would define excellence as, as unto the Lord. If I'm doing everything as unto the Lord. If I'm defending my mind as unto the Lord. If I have the standard in my house as unto the Lord, right? If we really believe that God was watching, how would we talk? Oh, I bet we'd be high and mighty, right? Can you imagine the Sunday etiquette in that, right? Talk about how people put on a face to come to church. If we really believe that he lives inside of us, but if we really believe that, if we really recognize that and realize that, how would we talk? How would we act, right? How would you defend your mind? Would you, would you sit there and dwell on If you knew that God was sitting in the chair next to you, Chris, would you sit there and think about the things that we think about? I bet that would end texting in church altogether, right? It would end people being turned around talking while the preacher's preaching. If we just would realize that the spirit lives inside of me, right? Who would go to sleep in church? We'd be doing the seventh inning stretch, just letting us stay awake, right? Who would sleep during church if we really believed that God was here watching? If Jesus was sitting in the chair next to you, amen? He is. He is. That's why I'm trying to bring your attention to that. He is. But if he physically sat next to us, how would we act? How would we defend our minds? How would we talk? Amen? Think about it. We, we would make a conscience effort all the time. And if we did slip up out of habit, we'd correct it right away. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Jesus. Let me, let me say that the right way. Was that the right way, Jesus? Did I get it right that time? That's how we'd act, right? That's how we'd talk. We can talk to him now. The Spirit lives inside of us. He's leading us and guiding us all the time. Why can't we make that conscious effort now? Jesus, I'm sorry that I said it that way. How, how, how should I say that? Lord, how should I? Help me. Help me. How, how should I do this? How, how should I speak? How should I defend my mind? What standard should I be setting in my household? How should I be living in front of my kids? In front of you, more importantly, Lord. Can you imagine when we stand there in that day and at the great white throne judgment and we're standing there in front of him? We're going to answer for all these things. That's real. That's real. That's going to happen. Defending our mind will change everything. If you're defending your mind with God's word, your life will start to reflect God's word. We begin to produce fruit. We become spiritually mature. We talk about growing a church. That's how we do it. It's right here. It's right here. Defending your mind. You're living it every, all the time, every day. People see that. They know that you got something they're missing, right? When you're walking in victory, when you're walking in, in, in healing, when you're walking in blessing, when your relationships are going well, when things happen bad in the economy, and you're still good, right? Still good. Peace that surpasses all understanding. You don't even worry, but don't even sweat it, because I know the Word of God is what, that's the standard in my life. When people see that, when people see that, they come and rejoice him because of what happened in your life. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. This is how we make the change, defending our mind. Defending our mind. Could we make an effort this week? If you want to come to the altar, come to the altar. Can we make an effort this week? Can we pray right now? I want you to ask God what we can do better, what you can do better, what I can do better in this, right? What do I need to set aside, God, to get my mind right with you, to defend my mind? against whatever the, the enemy opposes me with. It's usually a familiar thing. If, if, if it's worked on you before, right, he'll hit you with it again. Amen? Can we just pray right now? Pray in your own way. I'm going to pray over the church.
But ask him where you're at with this, with, that, with, with your defending your mind and how you can get it right. Lord, we thank you that, and we praise you, Father God. Lord, we just ask you to, to touch our minds today, Lord. I ask you to give us an imagination, Father God. Give us a mental image, Father God, of what our lives are going to look like, not could look like, are going to look like when we begin to defend them, Father God, the way that your word says that we can defend them, Daddy, with your word, Lord. I pray that you would set a fire inside of us, Lord, a hunger, Dad, to want to get into your word, dig into your word, Father God, that we can have some ammunition for this fight, Father God, because if we don't know your word, we can't defend our mind. <coughs> we can't release your word over our lives, Father God, over the lives of our children, our families, Father. We thank you for these things that you do for us, Daddy. Lord, I pray that you would show us right now, Father God, show us whatever it is that's holding us back, Father God. Show us the thing that we need to take care of, Father God. Some of us already know, Dad. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would just convict us of those things, Lord, but I pray that you would also just purge those things out of us, Daddy. That we would be free with you, Father God, to say, Dad, just purge it out of me. Whatever it is that's between me and you, take it away. Burn it up. I don't want that thing anymore. Thank you, Daddy. We praise you for this, Father God. Nothing's more important to me, Father, than my relationship with you. Not a single thing, Dad. We thank you for this, Daddy, and we praise you, Father God. I pray that you would just continue to grow Grace Family Worship Center spiritually. I'm talking about, Father God. Grow us spiritually, Father God. Teach us to defend our minds, Father God. Lord, don't let this thing pass us by. That Oh, yeah, that was a good service, preacher, but, but forget about it on Monday or Tuesday, or Thursday, or whatever the day of the week, we'll forget about it by, Father God, but continue to bring it to our remembrance, day after day after day after hour, Lord, after a minute if it needs to be, Father God, to defend our mind, Daddy, defend our mind, Father God, that we would begin to look like what you would have us look like, Lord, that we would begin to live up to your standard, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would cause these men and these women, Lord, to go home and become men and women of their households, Father God, to take control, Dad. Lord, to set a standard, not to be abusive or abrasive, Father God, but to set a standard, Lord, in love, Daddy, and cause our standards, our, our families to begin to rise to your standard, Father God. We thank you for this, Father God. Cause our church, Father God, even on the job, Father God, cause us to rise to your standard, Lord, in the schoolhouse, Daddy, that we would live according to your standard, Dad. Wherever we go to, Father God, we would rise up to your standard, Dad. And when we fall, Lord, I pray that you would show us the devil is a liar. He's going to want to jump on us at that time of our, at our moment of weakness, Lord. He will want to jump on, Father, but teach us, Father God. Show us, Lord, that he's a liar, Dad. And we just got to keep coming back. Keep repenting, Father God. Keep trying to do better, Father God. Thank you for this, Daddy. We praise you, Lord. I pray that you would keep us safe from sin this week, Dad. Lord, I pray that you would bring us back here to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Set a fire inside of us, Lord, to serve in your kingdom, Father God, to serve in the local church, Dad. Lord, we pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name, Father God. Have your way on this day, Daddy. Amen.